Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This episode may contain content of a graphic nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, everybody, and welcome back. I'm Nikki. And I'm Mariah. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Body to Burial. Welcome back, everybody, to July's episode. We are so thankful for your patience and your grace and your support while we uh, kind of work within the summer schedule. But we are excited about today's episode. Nikki, I know you are super excited about this guest. And this was uh, one you were really uh, anticipating, shall we say. But (laughs) um, I think it's going to be good. So we have with us today, Bess. And Bess is the owner of Honoring our animals on Instagram. That's, that's the name there honoring our animals. And she is a pet loss grief counselor. Mm, You know, I love animals. I'm going to love this one. I know you are. I know this is right (laughs) up your alley. So we will be exploring all things pet loss and grief and what that looks like and how to get supported through all of the different stages and even that anticipatory grief that I know people probably associate more with humans, but it is pet related as well. So um, I think Beth is going to walk us through all of this, you know, full disclosure up up front listeners, Nikki is the animal lover in the group and I'm, I I like animals. I like them. I like them. But Nikki is love on crack. So you guys are going to be in for a treat because we definitely are going to have some very different perspectives on how we process pet loss. And I think it'll be a good conversation. And you're laughing at me, but I think it's going to be good. We're going to represent both sides of the coin, you know? I, you love animals deep down. I, I know you do. I love animals. I don't love them way, the way you love animals. Uh, Is that a fair statement? You think that probably is because I like animals probably more than people. Yeah, you do. Yeah, for sure. You do. (laughs) And I think I've literally had one pet since not living in my parents' home. Like I'm just not a pet person. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I I have more pets now because my kids have them and want them, but I would be petless if I were childless, I think. Okay. Well, so here we go. You might change your, your opinion at some point in your adult life, but maybe, maybe, maybe like when my become an empty nester, like maybe I'll like turn into the cat lady or something to fill the void. I don't know. As of now, it hasn't been a part of my journey. So my outlook is a little different, I think, than your outlook. So, you know, okay. let's just see how this conversation unfolds. But I think okay. it will be interesting because I think you and I will be coming at it from different angles, which I think will be neat. I'll probably be crying and then you're going to be just like, why are you crying? Yeah, probably. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's bring her on. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let me go grab her. Hey, Beth, how are you? Hey, hey, guys. (laughs) I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm stoked. Yeah, Yeah. I told Beth when 
we had talked originally that you were her person because you're all about <laughs> pet grief and I don't get it. The pet's gone. Let's move on. <laughs> oh my God. Dude, I am all about the fact that you don't get it though. I'm so here for it. I mean, I, I love it. And I'm, and I know Nikki's probably like, uh, really? Oh, it but, killed you know, her. Yeah. It's going to be a great conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe I just it haven't had me. the right pet. Maybe I just haven't been touched by a pet in the right way, but I'm really just like, okay, I don't know. I'm just not an animal person though, either. It's like, yeah, they're great. I could do without. Well, I told Mariah, I told her, I was like, you know, my own personal therapist, whom I love more than life itself, she doesn't get it either. Like she doesn't, really? she refers people to me if they come to her like this, because she's like, I don't want to deal with it in my practice. And she's a hell of a therapist. Right. But she was so grateful that when I was going through my experience, I had a separate pet loss grief person. And she was so grateful. Cause like, Oh good. We don't have to get into that. <laughs> oh, totally. I'd be like, it's I can't help everyone. you. Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> and we can talk about this for five minutes and then we're done with the session. Totally. <laughs> I have a friend at my work. I've worked with her forever. She always tells me that I need to stop telling people she hates animals because I always talk about like, we'll just talk at work. And then, but she got bit in the face by a dog when she was little. So then she hates animals and she's all, people are going to start freaking out if you keep saying that. She's like, I just don't like them and I don't get it. I'm all, you're heartless. Animals are better than people. I mean, I'm with you on that, but I, you know, a lot of people have had tough experiences. They really have. And it's a hard thing. It's hard to be open. So Beth, I'm familiar with grief therapy. So I'm assuming it's the same type of work. Yeah. Any kind of grief counseling you would do, grief work you would do around a human. uh, We're doing the same thing, but it's around our animals. A lot of people get referred to me by veterinarians who know me and know that I'm doing this work. Sometimes when a veterinarian gives a difficult diagnosis, oncologists, um, you know, obviously send people to me. Also, a lot of word of mouth just from current and former clients. But my Instagram, which is at honoring our animals, is a huge way that I connect with people because I put out twice daily content specific to both anticipatory and post-loss pet loss grief. And a lot of people use Instagram like Google now. So they type in pet loss. And if you go to Instagram and type in pet loss, you're going to find me because <laughs> I've got a ton of content and uh, content that really resonates with people. And I have a big community on there that people are very involved in. I also do a monthly live pet memorial service where people can submit their animals names and have their animal honored in my service. So a lot of people find me also through Instagram and the things I do on Instagram. So when people are getting a diagnosis or their or it's an impending, you know, their dog's a senior, that's when they can contact you too, not just at the end and afterwards. 100%. Frankly, I'd rather have people come in anticipatory if they have that option. Of course, not everybody has the option, right? Because many deaths are traumatic, sudden, and we have no way of knowing. But for many of us, myself included, which is how I got involved in this work in the first place, we get a diagnosis, we panic, we feel like we don't know how we're going to make it through, we don't know how to show up for our animal and help give them a good death, we don't know how to manage our own roller coaster of emotions that we're experiencing when this is going on. You know, the things that are going on in anticipatory grief are so difficult. They are financial strain. There's emotional strain. There's logistical strain. There's often physical strain, not to mention spiritual and cognitive strain. So there's so many things going on that make anticipatory grief difficult. It is an important time to have support. Many people coming to me for anticipatory work want to know, how do I decide about euthanasia? When do I decide When will I know it's time? And obviously that's not a decision I can make for anyone, but that's something that many people want to talk through, process, get a place to work through that idea alone in in addition to all the other 
challenges that come with anticipatory grief. But you know, the beautiful thing is if we know it's coming, if we have some time to prepare, we can do so much to strengthen our relationship with our animal and give them an amazing send off, which is what I hope every animal can have. We just had to put down two years ago, our dog, he was, was 17. And it was all those emotions of, it was probably about two to three weeks before he had passed that, you know, you kind of, you see the signs and you know, it's coming. And even though they're older and you, you know, this is going to happen. It's, you have so many emotions of, is it time? Is it not time? And then guilt. And then mm -hmm. you feel guilty for even thinking about it. And then because a lot of times they have accidents or vomiting or whatever. And then I would feel guilty getting upset that I'm cleaning up vomit again or pee again or and I would always feel so guilty because I'm thinking this isn't going to be forever and I just went through a bunch of different emotions with it and I kept thinking when is it going to happen or mm -hmm. or is there going to be a sign and I need to know for sure and blah 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 and then this one day I just knew and then I called uh, we had an in-home euthanasia which was Oh, I, I actually feel guilty for not doing that to my other pets because it was such a great experience. Mm -hmm. And I, I needed that. Like my soul needed it at the time. And I just needed to have him be comfortable because I don't think I could have handled it if we had to go to the vet, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's just in that moment I needed that. And I'm glad that we did it that way. I'm so glad you brought that up, too, because many people still don't know that in-home euthanasia is absolutely an option. Most places in the United States and definitely around the world as well. And it's still something that not a lot of people know is even an option. So there are big national companies that do it. There's also many local veterinarians and hospice veterinarians. People don't know this. There are hospice veterinarians. So if you have an animal that you know is in their final weeks or months, you can get a designated veterinarian who can come to your home and do the hospice checkup type visits and then no. also come back. Yes. What? And yes. Right. I know. It's so good. It's so good. And then they are also the person who does the euthanasia. So you already have a relationship with them. They've been there before. So yeah, there are so many more resources available now than ever before, but we still need help spreading the awareness and spreading the word. So I'm really thrilled that you mentioned that because hopefully some of your listeners will find out this is a new option that you can, yeah. can do if it works for you. It's a great option. That said, if you are not able to do it for whatever reason, in, in my personal story, I couldn't do it. You can still give your animal a great, wonderful, peaceful death, even if you have to do it in an emergency hospital or at a veterinary hospital. Yeah, exactly. And I tell everybody, I'm like, listen, this was the most beautiful, sad, it was horribly sad, but stress-free process. So yeah, if you could do it at home, do it at home because it is so fantastic for you and the whole family. Totally. And I would, can I give a pro tip about that too? Yeah. I recommend if anybody listening is in a position where they're considering this as something that they might want to do, even if your animal is stable now, even if we think this might be months away, if it's a cancer diagnosis or kidney failure, whatever it is, do your research now while you are still, even though you're in anticipatory grief, do it now before things become emergent. Find who's doing this in your area find a company that can do it and get in their system, make the call and say, I'd like to use you, you know, when the time is ready, make sure you like them, do a vibe check, right? Get all your information in because 
it's very hard when things um, cascade for your animal, if things go downhill quickly to be like doing this research and like making the calls. And if you're already in the system somewhere, A, you might be able to get an appointment more quickly than if you haven't made the initial phone call. And B, you already feel comfortable, you know, who to call, what the process is going to be. You've already talked it through. So this is one thing anticipatory grievers can do to help themselves before things get dire, make these arrangements, make these plans and already be in the system somewhere so that it's only one phone call you have to make and everything's all set. Great advice because I, I did the opposite. I did the where at the very last second and I was scrambling because I just I felt guilty calling earlier. Mm. I don't if that makes any sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like I felt like really. I don't know, like, not like giving up, but I just felt like, I don't know, I should, I, I sh that's good advice, because I should have done that, because I kind of scrambled at the end. Nikki, how would you have known to do that if no one ever told you that or gave you that exactly. advice? This is not <laughs> yes. information that's like out there, you know, we, we live in a grief avoidant, death avoidant culture, particularly around our animals. And by the way, I love veterinarians, but many veterinarians don't want to talk about these details, you know, because veterinarians are all about preserving life. They're trying to help their clients and their patients live longer. And so where would you have heard that? So when you are shooting yourself about that, which I heard you should, <laughs> you know, go back to that moment and be like, I didn't know. You know, I didn't have yeah. that information at the time. You didn't have Beth Bigler sitting with you in weekly anticipatory grief <laughs> counseling sessions to yeah. give you that advice. So go easy on yourself there, my friend. I know it's hard sometimes, though. Well, yeah. And, you know, you mentioned guilt a lot. And look, guilt is the number one thing people are coming to me with, whether it's anticipatory or post-loss. There's an added layer of guilt that happens specific to pet loss grief that is so challenging because the animals are completely in our care. We feel responsible for everything about their life. We feel like if we cannot extend their life or treat a problem, we have somehow failed them. And for those of us who have maybe an extra high inner critic or high achievers or perfectionists, any of those things, the critic and the guilt can work together to make things really challenging. So it's very common to have all this kind of guilt going on both before and during and after a loss. And it's something that, you know, we do a lot of work on in my kind of work because guilt can be really oppressive. You know, like you said, you internalize it, you walk around with it, it's really heavy. And for some yeah. people, it gets in the way of kind of moving through some of the other aspects of grief because the guilt is so heavy. How long have you been doing pet loss grief? Is this something you always wanted to do? Does anybody wake up and <laughs> As a kid, it's like, I want to work with dead pets. <laughs> no, no, I have a very unique story. I grew up as a writer and I ended up uh, working in Hollywood professionally when I was 18 years old as a writer and a producer and spent my whole career in film and television in the entertainment industry. And I um, have always had, a, obviously, a passion for animals and a passion for mental health. I've been in therapy since I was like 12. So, you know, love therapy. But I did not really set out to be in this field. And it was not until I had an experience of my own with my soulmate, Arnie. Oh, Arnie's a cat. He's an orange and name. white. Yes, thank you. He got a 30-day prognosis on a really crappy cancer when he was only 11 years old. And oh. I thought I would die. I did not think I would live through it. I didn't know how to face a world without him. He was my absolute rock through all kinds of challenges and trials and tribulations. And I thought I could get him to live till 40. And they told me he was going to be dead in a month. So I sought out my own pet loss grief counseling myself. And I found the most amazing woman who was pretty much retired. She was really at the end of her career, but I got her just in time. And the first time I talked to her on the phone, I felt like, okay. I'm going to be able to get through this. Like she's got me, you know, I just had that feeling. And so I started working with her 
At the same time, we mounted a pretty big fight for Arnie's life. We did some chemo and cats and chemotherapy is kind of experimental, but it worked and we got a remission. Oh, wow. And even though we got that remission, I kept doing my work with my pet loss grief counselor because the work that I was doing there was so interesting. It was so profound. I was understanding things about my relationship with him. I was understanding things about my fear, my anxiety. I was understanding, you know, why does life without him feel like something I don't want to do? So I just found out of all the different kind of therapeutic modalities I have done, and I have done many of them, that this work was just profound for me personally. But about six months after Arnie's diagnosis, we were there at the animal hospital for a regular checkup. And there was a woman there in the waiting room. She was like in her 70s and she didn't have an animal with her. And there was a dog across from us with a couple and the dog had a seizure right before us. And it was very scary. Oh. The vet techs came and got the dog and took the dog back. And the woman next to me just burst into tears and something just came over me. And I just got up and I sat next to her and I took her hand and I said, what brings you in today? And she told me that her three-year-old cat had ingested some lily water. PSA, lilies are very toxic to cats. They are fatal. So don't give a cat owner lilies for Easter or any other time. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. And of course, this woman didn't know that. Can you imagine her guilt? She was feeling guilty. She brought lilies into the house. And now they were telling her that the cat probably wasn't going to survive. And so I just felt like I knew what to do in that moment. I knew what to say. I knew how to support her. My husband came and got Arnie and took Arnie home. Arnie was fine. He did his visit. <laughs> I stayed with this woman. I stayed through the euthanasia. I made sure she got home okay. And we were there for about seven hours together. And at the end of the night, I walked out of there. It was like midnight. It was dark. <laughs> and I looked up at this guy. It was so dramatic. And I was like, this is what I want to do. I was like, this is it. <laughs> I was like, this is my calling. And and then my next thought was, but I work for Lionsgate. How am I going to do that? I mean, at this point, I'm like creating and selling reality TV shows for a living. That's what I did for many years, right? <laughs> That's a like, little different. <laughs> super different. And I'm like, how am I going to do it? And then and then my next thought was, well, maybe when I retire, right? I was like, oh, maybe when I retire. Okay. So flash forward six more months and a year after Arnie's first diagnosis, he got a clean ultrasound, clean blood panel. We were like really celebratory. Like he was great. He had a couple other like health stuff going on, but like cancer was not there, not likely to return. And um about a week after that, blood work came back. He was sleeping in bed next to me like he always did, and he wet the bed, and he didn't move out of it. And I thought, well, that's weird. We took him to the vet, and about uh, four days after that, we had to euthanize him because a different cancer had come into his body, and it had overtaken his whole body, and he could not continue with life. Oh. And there was nothing we could do. There was no fight to be had. There was no chemo. It was a total blindside. It was also the last day of the first trimester of my pregnancy. Oh. We were completely just, you know, blindsided. Yeah. And so I had to move through that very deep and profound grief and um, grateful that I had done so much anticipatory work and grateful I had done all that grief counseling beforehand because I gave him a good death, as good a death as I could do. Wasn't perfect, right? None of us are perfect, but I, I did the best I could. And I then <laughs> realized this means I need to change my life and I need to do this and I need to work with others and I need to help other people through this. Nothing matters more. There's not any TV show I can create and sell that's going to mean as much as being able to walk somebody through this. And so that is when I just began to change my whole life and start my training, start my certification, start my mentoring, um, did a lot of training, a lot of work, opened up my practice. Um, and uh, here I am years later, full-time. This is what I do. This is all I do. This is what I do. This is my mission, my calling. And I could not be more fulfilled. It's the best work I've ever done. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Did you ever keep in contact with that lady? I sure didn't. I keep thinking one of these days, because I tell this story frequently, because I want to tell people how it happened. I keep thinking one of these <laughs> yeah. days she might she might find me. <laughs> I I wish I had like gotten her contact info to kind of follow up with her. But when we parted, she was okay. You know, she really was. And she had said to me, like, I can't believe you were here. It's like you were an angel, you know. But she's like, I feel like... I, I'm I'm okay. And I think she was, you know, and so I sort of didn't feel like I needed to get her number and follow up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, she seemed all right. But one of these days I keep thinking maybe she'll reach out to me because I think if she ever heard me talking about it, she would remember. And that's um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. She would never forget you in that moment. No. There's no way. No. And I will never forget her. You know, I'm grateful to her. I'm so deeply grateful that I had that moment because I think it may have taken me longer to figure out that this was my path. And this is something that Arnie and I can do together. And one of the biggest reasons people come to me is that my biggest message to any griever is that your relationship with your animal can continue. It can evolve. You can grow with it. I tell people this and I mean this. My relationship with Arnie today is stronger, more evolved, and deeper than it ever was even when he was alive because it's continuing, because it's growing, because he's included in my life, because he's an honored ancestor pet. My son, who never got to meet him, but who shares his name. I, I named my son's middle name after Arnie. Oh, um, I love it. He knows who Arnie is because Arnie's a presence in our household, even though he's not Earthside. And so people need to hear that. They need to know that that's okay. And sometimes they come to me because they want tools about how to do it. But for me, like what better way could I honor Arnie than to take his gifts, lessons, guidances, and teachings, put them into action and support people through this. So I view this work also as something I'm doing with Arnie in honor of Arnie and like we are doing it together. And I feel like he helps me do it too. And now the longer it's gone on, I've had hundreds and hundreds of clients now. I wonder if Arnie, like whoever his spirit is, is he like, is he meeting all these animals of my clients that I'm working with? And was he kind of doing the same thing on the other side, whatever that other side is? So, you know, I, I feel like it's a collaboration between us. And that also keeps me extremely connected to him. And that's helpful to me in my grief. Oh, yeah. We had a golden retriever. His name was Norman. And he died at nine years old. He got cancer mm -hmm. very quickly. It was super traumatic. And my mom would always say after he had passed that sometimes she would see him like out of the corner of her eye, like, like she can't explain it. And she's like, I swear Norman is around. And the craziest thing is the day before she was passing away, mm -hmm. I was in the kitchen with my aunt and I'm talking to my aunt and I swear to God, out of the corner of my eye, I saw Norman like walking down, like wow. it, it was the weirdest thing, walking mm -hmm. down the hallway. And I told my aunt, I swear to God, I just saw Norman out of yeah. the corner of my eye. I feel like he's here because that was my mom's like special mm. dog. Mm. And I really believe 
maybe he was there to comfort her. Maybe he was there to be with her. I don't know. It's weird. Yes. And you are not alone. I have heard versions of this story with animals. I, I, yes. And so to that, I say, thank you, Norman. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it felt like he was there and it's not like I'm like looking and he's like, hi, how are you? You know, it's just in the corner of your eye. Like you see something, but you don't see it. It was very weird, but it made me feel good because my mom would always say, I feel like Norman's here just randomly, like not, not during that time, but just throughout the years. And it just made me feel good that uh, we used to call him big Norman, that big Norman was there. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Incredible. And I hope it's true because I feel like it is. So you never know. I, mean, who, I trust what you say? saw. I, tr- <laughs> yeah. I trust your experience, you know? Yeah. This is what I always say to people about signs and, you know, feeling like your animal's connecting. And first of all, I trust the source, right? I trust you. I trust you. If you feel your animal's there, I trust you that it's there. And none of us have the answers. We don't know. You know, that's above all of our pay grades, right? So I say when we see a sign or a perceived sign, we just say, thank you, Norman, come again. You know, thank you, Norman, more please. And and just welcome that magic, you know, and, and what a comfort for you. And I'm just thinking about your mom feeling so comforted by his presence too. What a gift, absolute gift. A lot of people call those soul dogs or soul cats, but I've noticed sometimes I work with clients who are older who've had many dogs, right? And they're coming to me about one specific relationship. And so, you know, sometimes I say, oh, you know, Maddie was my soul dog, but Norman was my heart dog. And then (laughs) so-and-so was my spirit dog and -and so-and-so was my angel dog. And I'm like, oh, this is so awesome. Like, you know, because a lot of us have one that's like very profound, like Arnie for me. And I call him my soulmate. I believe that that's true. But I also know life is long and full of surprises and more animals and, you know, Maybe I'll have a, a soul cat and a heart cat and a spirit cat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or and then I'm like, I wonder if it's like that movie, A Dog's Purpose. That kills me. I can't watch it. Oh, I kills can't, I can't. me that mm-hmm. movie. Nope. Nope. It can't, is can't the worst. I, me and my family have watched one and two because we like to torture ourselves. Oh. And um, <laughs> emotional and so, cutting. <laughs> yes, it's terrible. It's awful, but we have to do it to ourselves because we just love anything with dogs. Yeah, that one. I'm like, maybe it's Norman, and he comes back in the next life and he's just trying to come back and hang out with me but yeah no that's right and obviously this is a big topic I work with with people when is it the right time to adopt when should I welcome another animal and of course there's no right or wrong answer on that although there's sometimes when there's things to consider but many of my clients have had the experience where a new animal comes into their life and man the animal's got some traits in common with the older animal or or you feel like it's some sort of message or sent from the other animal or something happens it's just kismet you know and And a lot of people are looking for those sort of signs. Even myself, when I was ready to adopt, I had waited three and a half years. And when I was ready to welcome other animals, I was looking for a sign and I got one. So I think, again, we don't know how it works, but... I I remain very open to all possibilities. We waited a year to get uh, Marty and Mabel. And um, (laughs) and they uh, we got corgis because my kids, they love this one corgi that has his own like vlog and um, Gatsby. And actually Gatsby has cancer. He's going through um, cancer treatments. And my kids just ball every Mm. time they update. And they were devastated as if like Gatsby was their animal. But they feel like it is because 
there's always the funny videos with him and, you yeah. know, whatever else. And, you know, because of my background in entertainment, I work with a lot of high profile people from entertainment and tech. But I also now work with a lot of I would call high profile animals from Instagram. Right. Um, and I've worked with people now who are very public figures who are going through this loss. And for the guardian of those animals, it's an extremely complex experience of like, how much do I share? What do I share? Do I share that my animal's sick? Do I not share? Um, it's it's a really, you know, kind of what social media has done to make so many animals so beloved, so famous. And then when we are trying to move through that death and grief process, it's a really complex thing for guardians, which is sort of a new problem in grief. Yeah, I, I could see that would be hard for the owners that that is not only their pet, but that's what they do every day is make yes. this content with the pet. And then that stops. That's That's got to be really hard too. Massive. It's massive. Yeah. Like life changing. Yes. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Mariah, do you have a question? I don't want to hog this whole session. Hey, Mariah. <laughs> what are hey. you doing lurking over there? <laughs> yeah, just you know, creeping. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I have to say I sit on the other side of the fence. I hear what you guys are saying and the connection that you have to your pets does make me feel a little heartless. And I will also disclosure say maybe I just haven't met the right pet, but that has just never been my experience. And I just haven't been impacted that way. So it's just a very hard thing, I think, for me to understand and to not feel judgmental and cold hearted when somebody else is obviously going through an emotional loss. I love your honesty. (laughs) I I love the honesty, though. You know, (laughs) I'm right. I'm very right. Can I ask you, though, like, do you have that same response about? human loss? I mean, do you also kind of feel like people make too big a deal about human loss? No, I don't think that. I guess I can rationalize that easier just because it's like, oh, it's your mom. Like this person taught you things or showed up for you or is going to miss out on these things. And I guess I just don't have that sort of I feel like this is now turning into a very like let's analyze what's wrong with Mariah but well um, I mean I'm curious because some people just sort of about grief and loss are are, feel that way in general just like you know what they had a good life move on so I'm I'm curious if there's a difference for you yeah, yeah I don't think that I definitely think okay if I lost x person I don't even think I could like continue breathing. I wouldn't want to live in a world where they don't exist like mm-hmm. so I can get that The pets to me just seem not that. Did you have pets growing up, though? I did have pets growing up, but I will say my mom was the type of person. Maybe she didn't really like pets. She was the type of person that our pet was not integrated into the family. Like we had we had dogs, but they like were outside. And when they came in, they slept in the laundry room like they didn't sleep in our rooms. They didn't sit on our couch like they were very like just an animal versus Mm -hmm. like a family member. I guess. So when you frame it that way, it's kind of like that's how I was taught to view animals, I guess. I think that's your problem. That's your problem. And then I we solved my life problem (laughs) in like less than three minutes. Yes. And I would not call this a problem. I don't think you have a problem, Mariah. But what is interesting to me, too, is like what would help you show up better when someone does say to you, you know, I'm having a really hard time. My dog died. Is there anything that would help you not roll your eyes or can I help you figure out what to do there? I truly believe I'm not the only one on the planet that feels that way. Yeah. Um, no, you're not. But I definitely do feel like I would not know what to like. OK, let's just frame it this way. When Nikki called to tell me about her hamster, she had a hamster, her and her kids. 
Hobby Lobby, right? That's the Hobby, name, Nikki. Yeah. Hobby. It was Hobby. Yep. So shout out to Hobby. She like called to tell me the story and they got her cremated and they like put its little paws on like the thing. And I'm trying so hard, even now, even retelling you not to like just bust up laughing because it's yeah. the most ridiculous sounding thing to me. Mm-hmm. But to yeah. them, it was like, this is our hamster. We love it's it. Right. And I'm just like, oh my God, you you did what? You did what? You spent money to get this hamster cremated and to save the pot. Like, I just mm-hmm. can't mm-hmm. rationalize it. Well, again, I love your honesty. Yeah. <laughs> did, can I add, this is so great. Nikki, did she ever say anything to you that was like offensive or mean or that hurt your feelings? No, I don't think so at all. Okay. No. So you can rein it in, Mariah. You can think it and you're not saying the mean things. That's good because a lot of people say the mean things. True. No, I hope I wouldn't. I think I would be like, oh, that's too bad. Well, you know. We got to carry on. Life goes on. I would probably say something like that. No, I don't think you said anything because I also told you that it was Reese's birthday. That's all I wanted for his birthday was this hamster. So we got the hamster before his birthday and the hamster died on his birthday in his hands. And thank you. Okay, that's when you put all the context in. It's awful. Yes. So if you would have told me to get over it. And so then I had to get it cremated because what are you going to do? Bury him in the backyard? I mean, why not though? Because here's the other thing to that. Like if my kids ask for it, I will do it because it's my kids and I love them. But my knee jerk reaction wouldn't be like, I'm going to bury this hamster or I'm going to cremate this hamster. Mariah, if if you think about yourself as this is a genuine question, if you think of yourself as someone who is sort of trying to model for your kids how you and this is a personal values thing for you, like how you want death and grief and loss to be experienced by them. Would you do it differently? Like, would you not put the hamster in the trash Ugh, because you're yes, modeling for them? Yes, what yes. Would you, I what, totally what would, you would do? do it differently. I probably would give them a platform to express their feelings, ask them if they want to write a letter, or I'd ask them, do you want to bury them? What do you want to do? Like, their aunt's dog died, and they have a little pet cemetery. All the kids went down there, and they had her wrapped in a blanket, and they uncovered her, and the kids got to pet her fur, and my son played his guitar, and they they put flowers and pictures in the grave before they covered it up. So beautiful. They, yeah, they've done the things. And so, I mean, if they came to me and were like, hey, I want to bury X animal in the yard, I would absolutely guide them through that because they want it. But it's just not something I guess I need. It sounds it's to just, me, I'm not a therapist, but it sounds like maybe that I need brought one. up a little different. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, our pets were not part of our family. Definitely not. And when I hear you, you guys talk about it, I feel bad because here you guys are so sad and you're like (laughs) grief ridden. And I'm just like, okay. Maybe you haven't found your animal. Maybe that's your problem. Yeah. I feel like this episode is going to get me a lot of hate (laughs) emails. I hope people are impressed that you're willing to be open and honest about it. Because, you know, if you go to my Instagram, I spend a lot of time and a lot of time with my clients. Like, how do I respond to someone who says to me, go get another one or it's just a dog or stiff upper lip, you know, and and it it is really cutting for people who are experiencing this deep grief. And the truth is, Mariah, we're giving you a hard time. But (laughs) well, but I also don't want to be that person. I would hate to be dismissive of Nikki's grief when her kids are upset about her hamster. So I think there is an important conversation to be had to be like, hey, like just because this feels insignificant to you doesn't mean that it's not impacting this person in a profound way. 
And I think off the cusp, I'm very easy to say, oh my God, eye roll. But if I can sit with it and I hear Nikki talk about it, I can understand and respect that she's going through something that maybe I don't understand, but I can still, I would like to show up for her you can and still be supportive. Show up, right. And her. that's a beautiful thing. And I hope that anyone who wants to give you some hate about about true feelings can also respect that you also want to grow and you want to do better and you want to be be a support to people. You know, one of the things, too, is that the whole constellation of why you have those feelings around animals, that's a much bigger thing about your life in the same way that people who have, you know, really close attachments to animals have other things in their constellation going on about why mm -hmm. their dog or cat is so important to them as well, right? Yeah. And there's just two, two different kind of pieces on the spectrum. But I would say to help you and anybody else listening <laughs> who also struggles, because you are not alone, my friend, you are not alone. And by the way, I know good people, great people who feel just like you do, right? And I don't think you're missing a chip or that something's broken. It just doesn't <laughs> resonate with you, right? So one of the things for you, if you encounter someone who is going through an animal loss is just inside internally, Mariah, just say like, I'm going to treat this like it's a human loss. I'm just going to treat it like it's a human loss. And then you go ahead and do anything, say anything that you would do if it were a human loss. Because, you know, I... I it's too, we're going to take too much time to get you like on board with like <laughs> animals. So we don't have time for that. Just mentally just flip a switch and say, I'm going to treat it like it's a parent or a child or a spouse. I mean, I can do that. You can. I know you can. I know you can. And it's just a mindset shift. So if you'd send flowers for, for a parent loss, send flowers for the cat. If you would send a check-in text, hey, how you doing? How you feeling about hobby? <laughs> send <laughs> Really, oh, truly hobby. just acknowledging, right? Anything you would do for a human loss and really checking in. What I tell everyone to do, whether you get it or don't get it, is when you find out that one of your friends who is closely attached to their animal has lost that member of their family, mark it in your calendar, mark what day it was, and just put a reminder in. It's so easy. We all have automatic calendars. Put a reminder in each week for like the next six months and then put a reminder in at the six month mark, put a reminder in at the year mark to just check in and say, hey, I'm thinking about you and Javi today. That's it. Just say the animal's name, use the animal's name, let them know you're thinking of them and that you know their grief hasn't ended. Because one of the hardest things about this type of grief is that, you know, everyone's maybe nice in the beginning. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, no one cares. And a continued support that you just check in and you know, just, oh, I thought of Poppy today, sending you a hug, right? That goes such a long way. I mean, and I think you hit another really interesting point that I think also just translates to human death is that checking on your person that you care about is okay to do and you're not going to cause them more pain. Because I, I know when Nikki lost her mom, obviously that was very impactful for her family and mm -hmm. her and her family were very much on my mind and in my heart. But sometimes I would restrain myself from sending her a text message because I didn't want to upset her or I knew right. that she was maybe being bombarded by a hundred other people. So I didn't want to be another person jumping up being like, hey, 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 you know, but I think, you know, because it also has been a little bit of time since her mom has passed. And so I think also being able to normalize maybe referencing her in conversations, sometimes it's hard to do because you don't want to derail their day. And that's what I personally worry about as being the person on the other side is I would hate to send a text like, hey, thinking about you and hobby, you know, <laughs> <laughs> when maybe you didn't want to go there and you didn't want to think about it. And then my texts pop up and now like you're sad for the rest of your day because 
I like mentioned Hobby's name and now you're in a puddle. I definitely want to respond to that, but I want to let Nikki respond first. Nikki, what do you um, think of that? I don't, I wouldn't be in a puddle part me with, that's just me personally. It would make me feel like you care and that's nice and that you remember and that I'm important to you. I wouldn't be in a puddle. What I find on the flip side is when people don't, and this isn't with my animals, it's just with anything in general, and people don't respond and they don't say anything, that's worse for me. And then I want to cut you off, you know, like. And it's like she never existed. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And those moments didn't exist and you don't want to talk about them because they're gone and then you got to move on because that's what you just got to do. You got to, you know, it's been, it's been six months. It's been three mm -hmm. months. It's been this month and a year and you should be fine now. So you're good, <laughs> you know? So, so I don't mind the checking in. I don't like the silence. <laughs> yeah. The silence that, that I guess like the unrecognizing uh, yeah. situation, but you're not like that, Mariah. You, you still call and t you know what I mean? Like you do all those things. You send stuff. You're very kind. Not about the is. hamster. Not, about, <laughs> not the hamster. about the hamster. I didn't send hobby anything. And I definitely you didn't. <laughs> I did not. But if, no. You didn't. But I will say maybe, Maybe if Marty, something happens to Marty or Mabel, I feel like you would at least check in. A hundred percent. Well, they are also the podcast pups. Yes. Um, but side note, we got another hamster and we buried um, Bubbles. Okay. I didn't oh. um, cremate. Mm -hmm. It was situational. I would have buried her, but okay. it was okay. because it was the day Reese was very upset. And, you know, I've I mean, see, never again, had a though, hamster. You did what you your kids needed you to do. It. And Did I respect I that as a mom yes. because there are things that I never thought I would do that I've done for my kids. So I totally, See? totally get that. I totally get that. There you go. But yeah, I don't like silence. So I guess yeah. that's my answer to that question. Is it the same as what you're going to say or no? A hundred percent. And I just want to go back to Mariah being brave to say it, right? <laughs> to To say like, you know, I don't, I, that, that would make me feel weird to send that text. I'm worried about upsetting you. And I hear this universally and I, I work with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people going through this. They always want to hear their animal's name. They always want to feel like someone cares that someone is checking in. Most people go the silent route and it's so painful and whatever, Nikki, you described that perfectly. It just feels like it didn't matter. My loss doesn't matter. My animal didn't matter or my mom didn't matter, whatever it is. So over check in, overuse the animal's name from your perspective and find out the date of that animal's death and just put it in your calendar, even if it's just once a month. And better yet, because we have so much access now with social media, if you have a picture of the animal, even something that Nikki posted on her personal page, send a picture of the animal, right? And, and bring that memory back into life. Grievers are not afraid to remember their animals. They are not afraid to hear the animal's name. You know what else will be supportive? Hey, do you want to tell me a story? You want to tell me a funny story about Marty, you know, when, when Marty's time comes, right? Animal grievers never get a chance much to talk about their animals anymore once they're gone. No one asks that question. And you've got hundreds of stories. You've got stories for days, right? And so that's another one. If you're like, I don't know what to say. I've never encountered a griever who was offended because someone recognized their animal by name and got a check-in. And so if that day comes, I'll let you know, Mariah. And people are very afraid of like, I don't want to make you cry. This happens all yeah. the time in person. Like, yeah. I don't want to bring it up. But again, normalizing, there's nothing wrong with crying. Even if you bringing up Arnie makes me cry, 
you know, first of all, when we release sad tears, it puts good chemicals into our brains. It's actually like a, a natural soother, right? Which is a really cool brain chemistry thing. But crying isn't a bad thing. If I'm crying, it doesn't mean that you've harmed me. It may just mean I'm remembering. I'm remembering that love. I'm remembering that acceptance. I'm remembering that tenderness. I'm remembering his life. And maybe I'm really touched that you even brought it up. So we also just need to be less afraid to have people cry. And if someone does cry, we hold that space for them. We don't judge yeah. them. We don't say, stop crying. You know, we, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're like, you know, you two love each other so much. Yeah. And I think that that's another interesting component too, because I, rem I remember reading this book and you might know like kind of the idea that I'm talking about, but I don't, I'm not going to explain it well, but it basically was saying like, there's different types of people that like show up when you're in a trauma mm -hmm. experience. And I'm definitely the fixer person. Like I, yeah. you know, okay, your pet's dying and you want to do a funeral. Great. I am the person you call. I will organize the heck out of that funeral. We will have all the details covered. I will have backup plans. Yep. Like I need motion and action. And so yep. sometimes I think I force that on the people around me because that's what makes me feel better. But it is, I think, like you said, it's important to just recognize maybe you don't have to have an answer and maybe it's just allowing that person to share their memory and cry. And that's all that needs to happen. There doesn't have to be a conversation. We don't have to move into a plan. And I think recognizing that, because I never really realized, oh, me trying to fix their pain might actually be more painful than just letting them have the moment to cry. Beautiful. Breakthrough. Breakthrough, you know? That was great. <laughs> yeah, but I, I really do feel like this is a very odd session, a very deep therapy session. Um, I love that you said this, though, because listen, this is one of the hardest things people around us, especially our loved ones. Like, So this is something that comes up all the time where, um, and I talk about this on Instagram a lot, but also in my sessions where someone says to me, oh my God, someone said or did the weirdest thing or, you know, th this hurtful thing. And one of the first things I say is, is that consistent behavior for that person? Or is that out of character behavior, right? Because sometimes grief is a revealer of people's limitations for sure. So sometimes people who've always been kind of like crappy in, in certain situations, they're going to be consistent and they're not going to really be able to show up for you. And that might be a good moment for you to reevaluate that relationship. But other times, good friends, you know, Mariah, you're a good friend to Nikki, right? So like you, you've shown up for her a lot and maybe in an animal loss situation, you're kind of like, oh, I don't know what to do because every time she starts crying, like <laughs> I want to fix it. And yep. people around us love us and they do want to fix it. So a lot of times, like if someone starts crying, they're like, well, you know, you can get another dog. They're not trying to hurt you. They're trying to fix it. They're trying to yeah. think of something that will make it better. To solve it. Yeah. Or, or they're saying, oh, well, you know, she lived till she was 19. She had a long life in the person who's speaking mine, they're like, see, I'm trying to point out that like, see, it's not so bad, but now you've just really minimized the griever's feelings. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's me. So, I'm good the people. <laughs> and Mariah, I'm assuming you're a good person. Like you, you want to fix it. Right. And just that awareness about yourself, because guess what? You can't fix it. You can't fix it. And neither can I, <laughs> right? Nobody can fix it. But what we can do is we can allow those feelings to come. We can make the person feel safe to express those feelings. And even if you think those feelings are absolutely nutty and believe me, guys, I hear stuff <laughs> in sessions sometimes where I'm like, wow, I haven't heard this one before. Okay. You know, here we are. Yeah. But being the safe space to just let someone express it. And you know what you could say, Mariah, this would be a good one for you to practice. And anyone else who has the, the Mariah fixing syndrome, you can work on saying, I don't have any words for this, but I hear you and I'm listening. Or I know I can't fix this for you, but I am holding the space for you. You know, you can kind of like mm -hmm. acknowledge it for yourself that, you're, that you want to fix it and you can't. And you can just say, I'm, I'm right here with you. 
one of my favorite things is this is so hard. You know, when someone's sharing to just acknowledge, oh, this is such a hard thing you're going through, you know? Yeah. And that's all you need to do. You really don't need to fix it. And really just having the awareness that, okay, my natural mode is going to be, I want to fix it. Like, you know that going in. And you'd be like, what would it be like for me to be released of needing to be a fixer and instead just being a safe place? And that may mean you don't talk as much. That may mean you don't offer solutions. That may mean you don't offer six different ways that you could help. I mean, you sit there with it and, and let your friend cry or express and just really listen. You know, if you're just quiet and listen, people will keep talking and that's good for them. Okay, I have to ask, this may be a silly question, but do you see clients that come to see you because their fish died? Because <laughs> I can understand cats and dogs. They have personalities and they can interact with you. But are there people that grieve a fish? I've never had a fish, but I welcome anybody who would like some support on a fish to contact me. Uh, <laughs> I have had a, a whole assortment of smaller mammals, gerbils, hamsters, guinea pigs, rabbits. Um, I've had a number of different types of reptiles, rats. Rats are really interesting and complex. Um, I've had a lot of rat interaction I and mean, yeah. I've learned a lot about rats. My aunt so, was very tore up about her rats dying. Yeah, well, they have. I've heard they have like a big personality. They do. The rat people call them pocket dogs, <laughs> right? Yes. And they're really interesting. I have become friends on Instagram with um, the most famous rat on Instagram. In fact, um, his name is Ice Cube, the rescued rat. And he has t uh, over 20,000 followers that got him into the Guinness Book of World records oh and, my god um, he was a very he was a special needs rat and he has an incredible story and uh, i have become friends with his guardian and ice cube did pass away and, and she and i have become friendly and i've learned a lot through her and in the rat community about rats so um i've had horses and i've had birds you know parrots i think what else I've had a real assortment, no fish yet, but I've had a, a, a wide range and I have learned deeply much more than I ever would have known about all these different types of relationships. And I am moved by them every time. Of course, we understand cats and dogs, but beyond that, there's a lot more and um, there's always more to learn. But the fundamentals are the same for all of them. And look, a lot of what we get from any of our animal companions are things like acceptance, nurturing, joy play, never letting you down, never, you know, judging you for what you are or what you aren't or what you're doing or not doing. They bring a lot of companionship. They bring a lot of interaction. We talk to our animals, sometimes more than our spouses. We touch our animals more than sometimes even our spouses or kids. <laughs> they are so ingrained in our daily routine. They're woven into the, every aspect of our lives. And so it doesn't really matter what type of animal it is. That animal is an integral part of many people's existence maybe not yours mariah but many no, people definitely not like you're <laughs> and, not um, describing me and so kind of regardless of the species or the the type of animal the feelings of attachment that go along with that intimacy because these are intimate relationships they are very deep this might be like an insensitive question but do you find that when you help people like there is i don't know how to phrase it um an end point where it's like okay they're healed we've worked through our grief and we're good because I feel with human loss, and maybe it's the same with pet loss, but I feel with human loss every year, there's going to be something that comes up that triggers that pain or that experience and isn't something that necessarily goes away. Is it the same for individuals that have that kind of relationship with their pets or is it more something that they truly are able to separate from at some point? That's a wonderful question. That's a great, great question. 
Um, look, grief counseling, one of the ways it's a little different than therapy, there's a lot of differences, but one of the things is that it, it is considered to be sort of short-term kind of crisis-based work, right? Like I'm a really crappy grief counselor if we're still doing this in a year, right? So people <laughs> work with me in a shorter period of time. And what I do, which is sometimes different than therapy too, is my mission is to give everybody as many tools as possible to help them adjust to this loss, integrate this loss into their life. It's going to be there forever. We never stop grieving. I'm grieving Arnie right now. It never stops stops, but the way that we can integrate our loss, adjust to it, and then use tools to help us, you know, connect with our animals, move through our feelings, release some of our guilt, right? Those are things that you can learn. And so hopefully by the time you've left me, you've got a whole toolbox of tools. They're going to be helpful to you, not just for your next animal death, but also for your next human loss, for your next divorce, for your next job loss, for your next medical crisis, right? You know, a lot of the types of tools that we, that I use with my clients are things that are going to be in their life, right? So most people work with me four or five, six months is kind of an average, right? Some people longer because some circumstances are more traumatic or working through other things. And sometimes it's shorter. It just depends, right? But the idea is that you do get to an end point in grief counseling. And usually how that works is like, you know, at some point we're like, oh, you know, I'm feeling a little better, a little lighter. We've released a lot of the guilt. We've moved through some of my anger, you know, some of the like the intense acute stuff. And now I'm like, all right, we'll meet like every two weeks instead of every week, right? And then maybe it's like, oh, maybe we'll check in once a month. And it's kind of like a, a drop down and then someone's like, I'm ready to graduate. And then we graduate and it's great. So I do think there is like an end point to grief counseling. That said, sometimes people come back. It's been like eight months and they're thinking about welcoming a new animal into their home. And so we do a session or two about that, working through kind of the feelings that come up around that. Or sometimes on the anniversary, a lot of my clients come back for the one year anniversary to just kind of check in and see how things are going. So people will come back on certain key dates. But if I've done my job right, most people leave, complete their work with me and feel like they have what they need to be able to sort of navigate on their own. I think that's a lot like human grief therapy too, because it's, yeah. you're not always going to it. It's just, it kind of evolves into just other stuff like life. My therapist said when I went for my mom, you know, she's like, if you're here in three years as you are the day you came in, then we have a problem, you know, yeah. there's something deeper to that. But I think it's normal to be tore up for a little bit of time and then it gets a little bit easier, but you never forget, you never mm. move on, you nope. know, you just move with it, I guess. Yeah. And it changes over time. You know, it's interesting, like the way that your grief interacts with you will change over time based on what else is going on in your life and what other things are coming up. And so, you know, I really work with my clients on being flexible and being open and to keep trying different things and like, okay, this, this thing used to make me feel really connected, but now it doesn't. Okay, let's try something new. You know, And so it's kind yeah. of this, this dance that you're always doing um, to find new ways. And I experience that in my own grief. I mean, an advantage is I have a lot more time on this than most of my clients do. So I'm further in the journey. And so I can kind of see like, okay, okay, here's some things that come up down the road that maybe you want to think about five years later, right? So it's an ever, you know, evergreen ongoing process, I think, learning to sort of live with deep grief. But at the same time, you know, one of the things I was going to say, Mariah, too, about that is that animal loss hits differently than human loss in a lot of ways. And also, many people I work with haven't ever been through a significant human or animal loss before, because many of the people I work with, this is like their first animal maybe that they got like right out of college. And, you know, now the animals, you know, 15, 16, 17. I mean, that's just, you know, that's some situations, not every situation. So now this is kind of the first big loss. They haven't lost parents or siblings yet. Right. And they haven't gone through an adult animal loss. And so that also just stirs up kind of an added layer for people, which is not to say that just because you've been through human loss, you're going to 
it, animal loss is easier because it isn't. But sometimes it's just for some people, it's like the first one, the first time they've really had to think about it. And that makes it harder for them in some ways as well. So sometimes doing this kind of work and getting some tools makes people feel more confident to move through any other type of loss in the future. It's one of the reasons I'm double certified. I'm certified to work with human loss as well. And I don't do that at all on its own. But so many of my clients, either while we're working together or before we start working together or some version of it are also experiencing human loss. And so those two things interact with each other sometimes. And so some of the things that you would do if you're working on humans, we might bring in to this type of grief counseling if that's going on in their life. So that's also another reason, um, just going back to the idea of like, is there an endpoint? You know, for some people, because this is their very first time, they just feel totally in the wilderness about what even is this going to be like, my grief. Yeah. And I can appreciate the work that you do. Because if I was in a situation where I lost a pet and was beside myself, I think it would be helpful to have a resource and to be able to talk about it. Because, you know, I know Nikki can say, you know, when her mom got sick and shortly after she passed, that's where she went. She went to the Internet. Where are the people that have actually gone through this? and who can relate and they don't just see the pain, they have felt the pain. And I think that you're looking for that sense of community to help guide you through. And I think that that is also sometimes what makes me feel emotionally unavailable for people's pet (laughs) loss is I've just, I've never felt that and I've never had that connection. And so Mm -hmm. I don't know what you're feeling. I can't even imagine it. I just can't like, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, it's just okay. So the work that you're doing and the platform that you provide for people, I think it's incredible because I don't want to diminish anybody's pain. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, I have a very good friend whose dog passed away last year and it destroyed her, but that dog moved with her through several state moves and was with her through her divorce and was just a big part of her life. And she was devastated. And I felt bad for her because my person was hurting. And even though I couldn't understand her hurt, you do still feel bad. And so I don't want anyone to think I'm heartless, but I do find it difficult to understand that loss. Mm -hmm. But I appreciate that there are people in the world that do what you do for the people that need a little bit of help and guidance to understand how to move forward and how to integrate their loss into the next chapter of their life. Well, you know, grief does present us with opportunities, right? There, there are things to be learned from grief. There are ways to expand and grow in grief. And of course, that's a hard thing to hear on day one. Um, sure. But sure. Um, for anybody listening, like, you know, when grief is before me, when someone else I love is grieving, what's my opportunity for growth? What's my opportunity to get outside of my comfort zone and mm-hmm. show up? And Mm -hmm. so I think if we quit viewing grief as something we need to hide and shove away and fix and manage, you know, if we get thinking of it like that and we think of it more as like, okay, this is an opportunity before me to evolve and grow and challenge myself and try to be here for someone else, um, maybe that makes it, you know, a little more palatable for you as the support. For sure. I'm going to be watching you next time an animal passes away. I know. Now you're going to be (laughs) watching my every move. Oh, goodness. The pressure. (laughs) 
<laughs> also, Mariah, on my Instagram, if you go on there, I make posts all the time. And, you know, I just I have one the other day, like, here's seven things to say to someone if you don't know what to say. So, you know, yeah, you're I'm not gonna, I'm going to need to, like, pin that post, I think. Pin the post. Save the, I'm, yeah. And I put that on my post. I say this. And a lot of people, you know, really respond to that. They're like, oh, thank goodness I have something to say because I didn't yeah, know Yeah, because what to you say. don't know what to say. Can I give you another tip, Mariah? Just sure. a pro tip on this? Yeah. Really listen to the way that someone talks about their animals so for example nikki can i use you um oh yeah how do you refer to marty and mabel do you refer to them like as your fur kids as your dogs as your fur babies like what how do you call them like that i just call them like as normal pe like marty and mabel they're just people they're my they're like reese Ryder, ryan like all my people i just call them by their names because they're they're part of the family it's just like one and the same. Part know? of the family. Okay. Yeah. And and Nikki, are you like a team Rainbow Bridge? Are you like not into the afterlife? Or do you, do you have any like afterlife belief? Yeah, I feel like there's something in the afterlife. I feel like they go somewhere. They go with your people because they're a part of your family. So I feel like they're all just waiting for me when I go over the, the Rainbow Bridge myself. They're all going to be jumping up on me like normal. Awesome. Okay, cool. Thank you. That was very illustrative. So Mariah, if you're Nikki's friend and you're listening, yes. you know now, even before this happens, that when Marty or Mabel dies, you're going to want to say things like, I'm so glad that Mabel was a part of your family. I'm thinking of Mabel as she crosses the rainbow bridge. You know, someday won't it be wonderful to see Marty and Mabel bounding toward you when you get there. Now, you don't need to believe any of that, Mariah. That does not need to be your jam. <laughs> and I don't need to believe it either. But that's Nikki's jam, right? Because we were listening. Yep. We were listening to how she talked about them, right? And this is a big thing for anybody who's listening right now. Listen to how your people refer to their animals. Like some people love the word fur baby. Other people think that's pejorative, right? But sure. if you really listen and, and listen to what people say and how they talk about them, our grievers give us the clues <laughs> of what to say. <laughs> the social media posts, look at what people write about their animals when they make the post and my animal has died. And then you know you have some language to mirror back to them. Mirroring back what people say and just like, you know, showing that you understand what they're saying and that you really listened. See, it would be weird if, you know, you never referred to Marty and Mabel as family members, if that's how Nikki sees it, right? So mm -hmm. also, I always say to people who get panicked about what do I say? I'm like, just listen, listen to what they say, and then just say it back to them in a different way so that you're on board with their language around this. And that's really helpful if you have any anxiety about what do I say? Okay, that's a good tip. I can pocket that one as well. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Any other questions? I just realized the time. I knew this was going to happen, Beth. I knew we were going to keep you forever. It's all right. I'm, I'm here to help. I mean, really, you were here to do a therapy session. You didn't know it, though. <laughs> I did not know it, but I am here for it. I love it. It's just like, you don't need to get it, Mariah. You really don't. And you don't need to give yourself a hard time for not getting it. There's a whole bunch of reasons why you don't get it. And that's okay. And look, there's a whole bunch of reasons. They're pretty obvious to me about why I don't like exercise. I truly don't understand people who like run marathons. I would rather do anything <laughs> than run a marathon. You know, the people are like, exercise gives me endorphins. It's better than sex. No, no, it's not. That is insane to me, right? Like I'm, <laughs> I'm not a runner. Yeah, but I believe that's true for some people. I just really don't get it. So whenever one of my friends is like, oh, I'm going to do a couch to 5K, you got to like take a breath. You're like, I don't get it. But how can I help? You know, do you want me to come cheer you on at the finish line with my, you know, my hot cocoa? <laughs> Whatever it is. Um, it's kind of like that. We just have to be able to show up despite what we don't get. Right? Yes. That yes. makes sense. Yes. yes, absolutely. I think for me, it was what am I lacking that I don't understand this? Why do I not feel more sympathetic? But 
like she said, I don't have to get it. And yeah. I, that's fine. I'm not just, I, I just won't put the mind power into that because I don't need to. <laughs> no. And it probably doesn't help you to waste any energy on that. I'd rather you just thinking about compassionate responses and, you know, coming up with like a go-to gift, something I love, just like, you know, pro tip. Like I love when people, you know, send beautiful things with images of their animal on it. Like one of the things I love is Shutterfly. This is not a commercial. They don't pay me for this. this you can get this anywhere. Like, but you can get like a journal for people to write in and you can custom like, you know, um, pictures on the cover. So like, that's one of my favorite go-to gifts. Whenever someone's animal dies, I like go, I just take their photos from social media. I make a little collage on the front. I put the animal's name on the spine and I send it to them. So they have a place Aww. where they can write to their animal and journal about their animals. So that's a super easy thing. And, um, you know, send a, send a DoorDash gift card so someone doesn't have to cook dinner one of the days when their animal dies, you know, or send food over, send a delivery, right? Like you don't have to be like, I totally understand why your dog was your soulmate. You just have to do things that are going to be supportive. Right? So Yeah. And I mean, the crazy thing is, though, like everything you're saying is what I would do for someone who had a human death. That's right. I just never would think to apply it to an animal death. It's not like you have to do this for every single person either, because maybe there's other people who aren't as affected. But the people you know that feel this way, that are impacted, and we can spot them from a mile away. Mm -hmm. That's who, that's who you want to show up like this for, you know, and if you're not sure, err on the side of you know, doing all the things because it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt yeah. to acknowledge anybody's grief ever. No. And I think that that's an important takeaway too, because I think, like you said, we try to all kind of shy away from it because we don't want to like, we don't want to deal with the emotion, the crying, the like all of that, but it feels like abandonment. So let's keep showing up for people, even if it makes us uncomfortable. Truth. There you go. Love it. Nikki, you got anything else? Sorry, I derailed you earlier. And did you have any other questions? Anything I think no? I'm good. Okay. Well, let's um do just two quick little easy fun questions and then Beth, we'll let you go because we've kept you so long. Sounds good to me. Go ahead, Nikki. Okay. Um, what is something that you collect? I collect a lot of things. <laughs> sea glass That's is one so of them. So cool. Nice. What do you do with it? Well, um, you can do a lot of things with it. I haven't done much uh, lately because I'm awfully busy, but um, you can like make jewelry out of it. You can make art out of it. You can make sculptures out of it. But right now I just have some beautiful um, places in my garden um, where I sort of have like the different colors. I have it sorted by color. <laughs> I'm so dorky. And I have like <laughs> different colors of sea glass kind of collections together interspersed with some of my plants and my succulents. So um, yeah, I love sea glass. It's just so beautiful. And I love the metaphor of it, right? Like glass goes into the water jagged and broken, right? And over time and sand and water and currents and tides, it smooths and the edge is smooth and it comes out this beautiful new color with beautiful new shape. And it just feels like a real tribute to survival and healing. So I like it. Awesome. I like that one. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I think I'm going to do a different one. I think I'm going to ask you an offbeat one, Beth. If you were to become reincarnated as an animal, what animal would you want to be? I would want to be the animal of any of my pet loss grief counseling clients. Aww. I say this all the time. <laughs> I say to my clients, if I die and come back, I want to be your dog or your cat. Because the people I work with are so inspiring. They are filled with so much love. They have given their animals such amazing lives. They have done incredible things to ensure their animals are safe and loved and cared for and um, inspired and playing. 
And so I have no hesitation in answering that question. I would come back as the animal of any of my pet loss grief counseling clients. I would be so thrilled and honored and have the best life ever to be in any of their care. Aw, that's so sweet. Yeah, that is. Truth. I love that's, it. That's facts. I, I am so in awe of my clients and their devotion to their animals and the, and the things they have done to give their animals amazing lives. So um, I would be in good hands. That's awesome. Well, Beth, this was so good. I mean, hope I we're going to have to listen back and make sure we didn't really skip over asking you anything super important, but I feel like you taught us a lot. There's a lot yeah. going on. So. Yeah, there exactly. is. It's complex. It's very, very complex. It is. And it's called disenfranchised grief for a reason. You know, disenfranchised is a term we use around grief that isn't publicly recognized in our culture. So like, you know, no one gets bereavement days for pet loss grief. No one gets, you know, time off work. You know, no one gets casseroles usually. So shining a spotlight on disenfranchised grief is so important. And pet loss is one of those. So thank you for giving the opportunity to help um, bring this into light. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was our pleasure to have you and have you talk to us. Well, thank you, you guys. I so appreciate you really, truly, you know, giving this some light because it affects millions and millions of people and they all feel alone. Everyone who comes to me is like, is it is it weird that I feel so bad? Am I crazy? You know, all, the, all day, every day. And I'm like, no. And, you know, but we're still really in the dark ages about letting people know it's okay to mourn and grieve like this. So I, I really it just means so much to me. Anytime anybody wants to talk about it, I am down. I'm here for it. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. I love that. For sure. All right, my friends. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You too. Yes, thank you. Take you care. too. <laughs> Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. So how did you enjoy <laughs> this was a rather long episode, everybody. So how did you enjoy our, I kind of feel like it was therapy. So <laughs> our therapy session with Beth, our it was, it was, pet loss. I mean, it just felt like a lot of, I felt a lot of feelings. I felt like you were on the couch, you know? Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I hope it rehabilitated you a little bit. No, I mean, I think that oh, that's a tough question. Or you're to going to need shock therapy to rehabilitate I mean, that. Look, I will say I will always have empathy for the people in my life that are experiencing loss, whether that's human loss or pet loss. And while I still may not have the same reaction that you would have <laughs> to a pet loss, okay, I can appreciate and respect your feelings and show up for you the best way that I can. Okay. I'll take that. Okay. I, I, okay. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're not heartless. You care about people and you do care about animals. You just don't see them in the same light as 95% of the world. I don't see them in the same light. They just don't impact me the same. <laughs> but I still stand by my statement that maybe it's just not the right pet. Yeah. Right. Maybe. Like I just maybe haven't you haven't had your connection. one. I haven't yeah. had that one that like makes it's like people, right? Like people who swear they're never going to get married. And then all of a sudden they're like, I met this person and I just knew there I'm going to be go. married and spend the rest of my life. So maybe I just need that pet. That's going to change my life and impact my life in a way that I never would have expected. And then I'll be the person that's like on the floor and like, you know, devastated. Yeah. Devastated. Yes. You haven't maybe the Norman. Will, yeah. My Norman is out there. Yes. We just haven't bumped into each other yet. Exactly. So I believe exactly. that. I believe that too. I believe like 
you know, sometimes you have to live through the experiences and I just haven't had that experience and connection. So yeah, there we go. I digress, but I will say Beth is wonderful, right? And there are people that need her. And if I was in a position where I needed her, she's it, man. She feels like a warm hug. Yeah. She really, and it's, it, it was funny because when she was talking and saying certain things, it was exactly how it was when I was in like grief therapy for people, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then because it's probably, it's probably very similar. Right? It is. Yeah. Like yeah. it's kind of, ex- and the feelings are very similar, especially because I will say uh, I have lost a person that I loved, you know, people that I've loved. And then mm-hmm. I've lost obviously my pets. And for me, the same, it's the same feeling, like obviously different experience because it's your family and whatever else, but my dogs are my family. So it's still that same devastation. Like they're not there anymore. Like, you know, and the same feelings for me at least, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, when mm-hmm. she was saying these things, I felt like, I could apply it to how I felt when people were dying as, and I felt the same way when my dogs were dying, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Absolutely. So, so yeah, her services, I feel like could serve us both, you know, people and pets. Yes. If I you think love so. animals and need to, you know what I mean? Have yeah. that, have that. I don't even know what you call it. Like closure. There Support. you go. Support and closure. There you go. Not yeah. even closure, but just like yeah. Like acceptance. Maybe it's there acceptance. you go. Acceptance. Yes. There mm-hmm. you go. Yeah. I mean, she definitely seems like the right person to guide you through the process to help you not feel lost in the feelings or yeah. feel too overwhelmed in the feelings um, to normalize like like them. It's normal. Yeah. 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 Because I can imagine there are other people like me in the world that maybe you know, you try to convey your heartbreak over losing your animal and they're just kind of like, yeah, okay. So how was your Wednesday? You know, like they don't fully grasp the loss. And I think it does volumes to go somewhere and be seen and be heard and feel understood. And for that, I'm very grateful for the work that Beth does and providing that space for people that need it. No, that's cool. Loved it. She's great. I loved it. Anything pets. I love, I love you're all over it. I know. I I don't know if I like taxidermy, but I might, who knows? I mean, maybe, I mean, that's, that's really upping your level of love for pets. Because (laughs) if you start to start telling me you're doing that next, that might be a little harder for me to accept. (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to rule it out. I'm not going to lie, but I'm not, yeah, it could be a possibility. I don't know. Who knows? (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, if you are in a position where you feel like you could benefit from having a conversation with Beth, we encourage you to reach out to her. You can definitely send her a message again um, on Instagram, honoring our animals. Um, And we will have the link to her page in the show notes. Um, And if you have any questions um, that we can help or help you connect to Beth, please uh, send us a message. We're happy to facilitate that and get you connected until next month. So yeah, just a reminder that we will be doing um, just two episodes again in August. So one episode for everybody and then a bonus episode for Patreons. So if you miss us and want more of us in your life in August, please consider signing up for the Patreon level. We have different levels there. 
Uh, you get access to all sorts of things, book club, photos from guests, candles and swag and stickers and all the things. And it really helps Nikki and I get funds to improve the podcast for editing purposes, equipment, advertising, all the fun things. So if you miss us, that's a great way to help out the show and to get your fix of the podcast. And I think that's it, right? I've hit it it. all. Okay. Okay. Well, we will be back here in August. And everybody stay safe and enjoy the rest of summer. And we'll uh, talk to you all soon. Okay. See you later. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for listening and supporting us. We do encourage you to follow us at Instagram at Body to Burial. Hit us up on Twitter at Body to Burial. And you guessed it, you can send us an email to hello at bodytoburial.com. If you have any guest suggestions, just let us know. Please hit the subscribe button or follow button on whatever app you are listening to. Thanks so much, guys. See you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.